Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Lives Falcons Q&A featuring our patrons uh, feet by week edition here on the Falcoholic Live. Uh, seemed like a perfect time to do one of these. This is technically November's Q&A uh, because I didn't get it done last week. So, you know, you, you will still get a December one, but the bye week seemed like an ideal time to do one of these as... Uh, <clears throat> As there's a lot to talk about, obviously, with the Falcons at 5-8, and eight, and we have the most illustrious of all guests, no, not Aaron Freeman, uh, Dave Choate, the Falcoholic himself at the Falcoholic, joining us tonight. Dave, how you doing? Good. I, I don't know if I'm truly the most illustrious, but I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, you know, we gotta, you just, I have to throw that word out there now because, you know, Aaron says it on every show, so I, I feel like I have yeah. to, I have to make sure to hammer that one down so he because he can't just have illustrious like he doesn't just get to have that word um no there's no ownership implied there so yeah 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 uh but yeah we're gonna get to some stuff i know we had a a a repeat question well one that we didn't answer last time from solaire uh regarding a nightmare falcons coaching staff and dave and i are are working on it uh our ideas for that so stay tuned solaire uh we will get to it tonight i know we have Plenty of questions from the Discord and from the uh, Patreon as well. So, of course, welcome all patrons uh, who are going to be here live. I know a lot of people will be watching this after we record and listening to the audio. Uh, anyone can take part. All you got to do is join the Patreon, patreon.com slash falcoholiclive. Uh, all tiers get access to the Q&A sessions. Uh, as you can see, they're going to be a lot of fun. So if you're interested, uh, go check it out. You can join at any time. Uh, Patreon's finally gotten rid of their really dumb, like, we're going to bill you on the first of the month for the full month, regardless of when you start thing, which I always hated. It will now bill you when you join, and then that will be your month. So you don't get double charged ever, which, thank God, they finally did that because it was pretty dumb before that. So uh, there's no now no reason that I would recommend, like, waiting until the beginning of next month to join. You can join at any time and get your full money's worth and also you know you get our gratitude which is worth something i I think but you know that's up to you i guess but uh predictably dave we have a lot of questions about quarterback today uh and before we even get started i do just want to get your general idea of we've talked about it in the discord some but are you sort of feeling like i do that this change is more or less inevitable or are you more on the fence Where, where do you sort of land on it yeah, I think it's inevitable. I, I think the the little bit of wiggle room that was left was, hey, are we still technically in a playoff chase? Like, would Arthur Smith not want to kind of go back on his word there? Um, but I, I think we've seen at this point, the Falcons are effectively dead in the NFC South. Um, 
4%, whatever chance you want to put it at, they almost have to win out at this point and have Tampa Bay collapse, which is not impossible. But I don't think it's going to happen. And, and I think, you know, I wrote back in early October that the right time to get Ritter in was like either after you had some preparation time for him or against a really easy opponent. And they chose not to put him out there against the Panthers, which probably turned out to be wise, actually. Um, so your choices were after uh, a long week's break before the Steelers game, which they chose not to do, or here after the bye. So it's it's the right time. You know, it gives him four games. You you have seen through 13 games what you're going to get from Mariota, good and bad. And you know that, you know, you're not bringing him back as your unquestioned starter at the very least. So it's time to get a look at the rookie. So I think it's it's pretty much a done deal. I think it's just a question of, when it will get announced and, and I don't know if that's going to be next Monday or if it's going to be after we see Ritter taking first team snaps on next Wednesday. But I, I feel I would be very, very surprised if it, if the change doesn't happen. Yeah. It's, it's basically like everyone is talking about it now. Like you've got Dave Archer out there and you've got, you know, the athletic talking about it and national people talking about it. And it's, it's, it's gotten to the point where it's like, it, it just sort of has to happen. Like if you don't make the change now, there's going to be questions about like, well, is Ritter that bad that we can't see him? Like that you want to hide him or like protect him from even being on the field? Like, like it's going to create more controversy to not do it at this point. I feel like than it would be because uh, it's hilarious. It, it was funny, you know. This wasn't intentional, obviously. With the 49ers lost Jimmy Garoppolo sadly for the year, and Brock Purdy, you know, has now played a game. Uh, so now the the last quarterback taken in the draft has played before Desmond Ritter. Uh, at this point, you know, it seems like pretty much every other major quarterback other than Sam Howell has also played, including Bailey Zappi and uh, Malik Willis started a few games for the Titans. Kenny Pickett, obviously, uh, has been playing for the Steelers. So it's it's funny that maybe the most pro-ready guy in Desmond Ritter is going to be the last one to take the field. But that's how it was with Patrick Mahomes, too, and we know how that turned out. So I, I don't necessarily hate, you know, because... Honestly, up until the last few weeks, Mariota was, I feel like this last four to five game stretch was really rough for him. But before that, it was like, he wasn't playing poorly enough that you were thinking that we have to yoink him. Um, I think that has changed over the last several games. It, it just hasn't gotten any better. And the offense has continued to get worse and worse in terms of scoring output. Um, so I, I think the time is clearly now, but, uh. Yeah, I, it feels so like inevitable, like everything is blowing in one direction, which, you know, when I when, when we started talking about it, I feel like after Thursday night football in Carolina, that was sort of the turning point. But nope, the team wasn't talking about it. They weren't willing to talk about it. Um, now it's, you know, well, everything's on the table. So I think that's an answer without it officially being an answer uh, that that they were that quick to, to basically go back on there. There is no quarterback conversation uh, phrasing, so. Yeah, and I, I think you know it, it's it, with Mariota. It is like the whole the whole thing that's been frustrating about this year is you've had people who, you know, I I even saw it after Sunday, which was comical given the performance, where it was like, well, look at all those those bad routes and drops, and it's like, okay. Um, but the other edge of that has been, you know, Mariota stinks. He's the worst quarterback in football, and that that's never really been true. I think the the issue for me has been you know, he's not progressing, right? Things are not getting better um, this late in the season, despite, you know, every week them saying, 
oh, we got to, you know, prioritize cleaning up this and that. Like, that's the kind of stuff that when you have a veteran, if things aren't getting better, you, you do think logically about the rookie because, you know, you're hoping to see some sort of forward progress, even if he comes in and he's not as good as Mariota right away, which frankly could happen. So it's it's been time for a little bit. It's the, definitely the right time now. And like you said, everything seems to be pointing toward it. So um, it's an interesting and exciting time. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, I, if any, if nothing else, it will provide intrigue for this team over the final four weeks. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm open to that at the very least. Um, all right, let's get to some questions here. Uh, so the first one we have from NC Hammer in Discord. Um, so the first part of the question, obviously, we know that Baker Mayfield has been claimed by the Rams, but I think he was asking, like, what are your thoughts on the Falcons pursuing Mayfield? Uh, and also, if if they don't go that direction, what is the plan at quarterback for next year in your mind? Do you think they go with Ritter, or do they try to draft someone or whatnot? I know we have a couple of questions, you know, Torin Bix as well. Uh, asking, you know, sort of what do we think the long-term strategy is and short-term strategy. And I think you and I are both saying, just start Ritter now. Like, I wasn't interested in them going after Baker. I don't think it made a lot of sense for them. And even if they had wanted Baker, they would have had no shot at him because the Rams claimed him and they were, like, third in the waiver claim order or something. So wouldn't have had any chance to get him, even if they wanted him, but I don't really think they would have wanted him. Um it just doesn't move the needle for this team at all. Like Baker Mayfield was playing a lot worse than Marcus Mariota was. So, um, you know, I, I don't really see that as any sort of upgrade. Um, but yeah, long-term, I I do think it that's a bigger question, you know, because it's like, well, what does Ritter look like and where do they end up picking in the draft? But where, where, what does your gut tell you at this point? Because we haven't seen Ritter yet. Do you think that he's going to get a really legitimate chance to be the starter next year? Or do you think they're sort of making plans for some other moves? I, I think he'll probably get the shot. And, and again, like, you know, maybe there's a, a level of disconnect between the front office and coaching staff. Maybe, you know, Ritter in practice hasn't been as impressive as maybe it's been indicated um, by comments to the media and so forth. But we have to remember that like this team gushed about him when they drafted him. And like he, we were connecting the dots between Ritter and the Falcons for a long time because it just seemed to make sense. It still seems to make sense. He still seems to be the kind of guy who, you know, at the high end of his potential is somebody you can build around. And I, I think this team would love to go into next year knowing that Ritter is their starting quarterback and they can really build up the roster around him with all their draft capital and free agent money. And they have a lot of it to work with. So to me, he's getting first crack at the starting job unless, you know, he has not impressed to this point and he comes out and face plants and his opportunity. Then, you know, I don't know that I see them trading up for a quarterback. I could see them, um, you know, I had a discussion with, with Matt Chambers on Twitter the other day about, you know, if it's not Lamar Jackson, as much as we might love to see that happen, it could be somebody like Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, or another stopgap, you know, younger guy that might give you a potential long-term starter if you don't draft somebody and Ritter is kind of a strikeout. But to me, everything's lined up well for Ritter to come in and, and show us a little bit of progress. And I do think he gets first crack 
at this long term. Um, and I don't think Baker Mayfield is getting anywhere near the Falcons uh, quarterback situation at any point. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think some of it probably has to do with how he looks this year. Like if Ritter comes out and absolutely face plants and is, you know, then it's hard to really sell that next year. But if Ritter comes out and just looks competent, um, he wins a game or two, you know, I think it's pretty easy to be like, well, that's our plan A. Um, I don't think they're going to go into next season with just Ritter on the roster or anything like that. I mean, obviously they'll have, you know, Felipe Franks to God, but um, I, I do suspect they'll add a, a veteran. You know, I they're going to cut Mariota more than likely because they don't want to pay him the $16 million or whatever it is he's owed next year. Um, and they get to save like 12 of it. So it's sort of a no-brainer. But it wouldn't shock me if they just brought Mariota back if he doesn't get, you know, interest elsewhere as a starter. Um, I think they like him. I think Mariota likes this coaching staff. Clearly they have a level of respect because... If they didn't, they would have benched him a long time ago because they certainly could have after week 10, and they did not. And I think that shows you that they do have a level of comfort and respect with him. And look, I think we've all seen that Mariota is a very good backup, like very high-level backup that can absolutely keep your team afloat if you were to have a starting quarterback injury. So he, he probably will get interest outside of Atlanta to be a backup. But the question is, you know, first of all, what are the Falcons willing to pay their backup? Because to get Mariota, they probably have to pay like $6 million or so at least. If they're willing to pay that, which, again, might make sense for them if they're planning to start what's basically a rookie. I mean, technically a second-year quarterback, but a guy that's only, you know, played four games. Um, someone like a Mariota would make a lot of sense. I know there's some buzz about guys like Derek Carr, but I don't really think the Falcons are going to go that direction. Carr's just not the type of quarterback that I think they want. I think they want someone with more mobility. Um, so, you know, a Jacoby Brissett, maybe that could be interesting. I think he'll have interest and he's shown some really good things this year. Um, and he has that mobility angle that the Falcons, I think, like. Like, they don't need uh, they don't need Lamar Jackson level athleticism at quarterback. They, they would like that. Obviously, everyone would like that. But they only need, like, Tannehill, Brissett, more like like Ritter level athleticism to make the offense work and to have people respect the quarterback run enough that it helps out your offense. They don't necessarily need the Mariota, you know, and then Lamar Jackson sort of level to make it work. Um, so I, I do think that they will bring in a veteran. I guess I have a hard time seeing them drafting another quarterback because I feel like you've already got the one young quarterback. Like you don't really need to delve into that again. It's probably more a thing of like if this all falls apart in 2023 and they're still picking in the top 10, then they're probably looking at next year's you know quarterback class as another option if, if Ritter's absolutely not the answer and they bomb again next year, which if that happens, then this whole thing could get blown up you know again, which would be really sad. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, Mad Tom K says Minshew Mania in Atlanta would be fun. I mean, I don't hate Gardner Minshew at all. I would not hate that. Um, I do think they need someone as a veteran who can at least start at like a semi-competent level, like a Marcus Mariota um, or any like a Gardner Minshew, you know, whatever. Um, so that's sort of how I feel about it. I don't think they make it if they don't make an ultra aggressive move for like Lamar Jackson. I think it's they're going to roll with Ritter and and, uh, you know, uh, sort of start fringe starter type veteran like a Mariota or, you know, Mitch Trubisky, because he's cut, he's probably going to get cut in, in Pittsburgh, you know, whatever. Like, you don't love it, but also he's not expected to be your starter. So, you know, in terms of backup, 
the easiest answer is probably just re-sign Mariota for to a cheaper deal. Um, but if he goes somewhere else, then you know you have options. Um, but how aggressive they are for quarterback this offseason probably tells you what they really think about Ritter. So, like, if they go all in on Lamar Jackson, they probably aren't that enthused about starting Desmond Ritter. Um, the same thing as if they go out and throw 10-plus million at one of these stopgap veterans, it means they don't trust Ritter either. So, um, we'll see. But uh, I'm hopeful that Ritter will be good because, I mean, I like Ritter. I mean, I liked his tape. I thought he would be a great fit here. Obviously, the the fit in Atlanta with his skill set and with what the coaching staff wants seems to be a good fit, but you know, I guess we'll see how that actually shakes out. Right. So next question from mad Tom K what's up. He says, uh, here's a positive question. Who do you think wins Falcons rookie of the year? And I assume we're not including Drake London because I think he sort of just runs away with it, but um, you know, if we don't include Drake London, who do you think, who would be your, your Falcons rookie of the year, Dave? I would say it's, even if you do include Drake London, it's Tyler Algier for me. Um, I'll be, I, I think that Algier has really impressed. I think he's been a really productive runner. I think he's been much better in pass protection than I expected him to be. And when they use him as a weapon through the air, he's been, he's been good there too. I think, you know, London's obviously outscored him, but I believe Algier actually has more combined yards on the season than London. So to to me, you know, working in a position group that's more crowded, where the the Falcons had more options, he didn't, you know, immediately start the year with a major role. Like I, I think he's done fantastic work. So I, I would vote for Algier. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, honestly, and I, I agree with you. Like his total yardage numbers are exceptional. Um and like as a a receiver, I think that's where he's actually impressed more than I think anyone expected. Um, you know, the yards per reception isn't crazy, but 10, 10 targets, ten catches, eighty seven yards, and he has a receiving touchdown. And it feels like he's had a number of just really good long gains uh, as a pass catcher. And I think his pass protection too has really uh, been a part of his game that the team can rely on. He's sort of become the de facto third down running back with Damian Williams injured. Um, and that's terrific. And his, after starting out the year sort of low in the yards per carry, like I think his, he was in the high threes for a little while. He's up to 4.6 now, clearly finding his footing there. Um, and I think like this, and this, this goes into another question that I, that we had um, about the running back room going forward. Uh, and, you know, I agree with you, Dave. I think on offense, it's probably Algier, London for me. Defense, you know, Arnold Abicady, I think sort of clearly was the the, the runner there. Um, like the leader there with him getting hurt, it complicates things a little bit. But I, I think he's played really well. Um, I hope he's back soon because they need him desperately. So <laughs> They really do. They really do. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I know we, we had a lot of questions about... Um, the draft, namely, there was a mock draft that I sort of dunked on, and I dunk on on Draft Network in fun because I'm I'm friends with those guys and they, they do great work, and I always like to call out people who do mock drafts that I don't like because I also make a lot of mock drafts that people don't like, so uh, it's sort of just you know the circle of mock drafting. But they had uh, Bijan Robinson going to the Falcons at 15, and I was like, well, 
I think the Falcons have one of the best running back rooms in the league right now. I and with the trenches in this state, I just don't see them drafting a running back at 15. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> now that could change. They could spend all their money on the trenches, and then we go into the draft saying like, okay, we can draft whoever we want. That could happen. I don't know yet, but um, to me, I, I see Cordero Patterson who hasn't really shown any signs of slowing down this year, still averaging over five yards a carry, just had a kickoff return touchdown, like looks as dynamic as ever, playing really well. Now, they only have him under contract for one more year, and he'll be 32, so yes, you do have to start thinking about life after him. But in that regard, you have Tyler Algier, who we just talked about, who's probably their rookie of the year, um, who's been very effective as a runner, uh, and now looks like a reliable third down option as well. And then you have Caleb Huntley, who sort of came out of nowhere and has basically kicked Damian Williams off the roster. Like, I I imagine he's healthy enough to come back now. I guess we don't know for sure, but um, Huntley is just too good to put back on the practice squad. He's also averaging almost five yards per carry. So, to me, it's like you've already got three guys that you're comfortable giving carries to. And you have Avery Williams, who is averaging, uh, he has 14 attempts, and he's averaging 5.9 yards per carry. So he's already giving you some good stuff as a relief runner. Um, He's caught some passes as well. And obviously he's a great punt returner. So it's like, I don't even, like if they draft another running back, I mean, if it's Bijan, obviously, like you just make room for him. But you're probably saying goodbye to one of those guys in terms of the active roster. Um, And like, it's it's sort of why I, I feel like a running back it's just not a big need. Like, it's just not. Like, I feel like it's it, th- what their running back room is, like, so far from a, a problem area that it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me to, to go and draft there, even, like, in the later rounds. Like, I I mean, if you want to draft a running back with, like, two, one of your, like, multiple seventh-round picks, you know, as, like, a dart throw guy, that's fine. You can draft anything you want in the seventh round. I do not care. Like, anything you want, that's fine. I'm not going to draft with seventh-round picks. But... How do you feel about the running back room? And do you think that's, you know, something that do you agree with the Bijan pick in principle or in, in reality? Or, or are you sort of off that train and, and your thoughts on that room in, in general? Yeah, I, I would prefer not to. I, I've, you know, I've had this argument many, many times over the years where I got very tired of the Falcons, you know, signing veteran backs who were older um, you know, you're Steven Jackson, you're, you're Todd Gurley, even though he wasn't actually that old, because it, it just hasn't worked out for them aside from Michael Turner. And they, they kept trying to go back to that well. Uh, and, and of course, Cordero Patterson, but that's kind of a unique case. Um, and then, you know, the, the clamoring from fans, like get this running back in the first round. Well, I, I really don't feel like in today's NFL that you need to. There are guys who are special, who are worth that. Maybe Robinson is one of them, but to me, when your ground game is this good, when you are on track to put up the second highest, you know, rushing yardage total in franchise history, you know, with, with the crew of guys who one was not a full-time running back two years ago, you know, one's a fifth round rookie, one's an undrafted free agent, one's a converted cornerback, like that's your room and you're consistently running against everybody. Like to me, that, that, proves that you have a scheme and a desire to run and and the right mix of talent so you know if you need to add another back because you're you know concerned about patterson holding up or you're you're looking to the future there and you want to get a veteran or or a late round draft pick great you know i I totally understand that but 
to like blow up this backfield, you know, introduce a new feature back who's going to, you know, push Algier and, and Huntley way down on the depth chart um, after the work they've done this year, take touches away from Patterson. To me, that just doesn't make sense to do. So I, I do think I get why people are doing it because everybody says, you know, Arthur Smith wants his Derrick Henry. In reality, like this is going spectacularly. A year ago, they couldn't run at all. You know, for four years before that, they couldn't run at all. And they've done it with mostly the same personnel up front. Um, and then the addition of Algier and um, Williams at running back. So to me, you know, you're you're in great shape here. You just don't need to put that kind of draft capital into it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just such a huge luxury pick for them um, that just I don't it. Like the thing about Bijan is he's such a good receiver that you could maybe even frame it as like, like he's like literally a perfect Patterson replacement, like long term. Like he is a terrific receiver. He's a great like bell cow style running back. He's awesome. Like I have no problem with Bijan Robinson, the player, and I do think he's probably that. I mean, I think he's worth a mid first round pick easily. But for the Falcons, it doesn't make a lot of sense because this is sort of the pick that you're hoping they make in like a year or two, not this year, because they still have some foundational pieces missing. And like, if you want to make the argument that like Bijan might be the best player available at pick 15, you might be right. But how much does he move the needle for the team when they already have an elite running back room, adding another really good running back? Like it doesn't really do much for you. Um, Whereas even if you get the the third best offensive tackle or the third best defensive tackle or the third best edge, maybe those guys aren't in a vacuum as talented as Bijan Robinson, but they're top 15 talents. I think you need that more. Like I, to me that, that shifts that cause nobody drafts pure BPA. They just don't like, um, <clears throat> so I, I, I would rather have, Broderick, you know, Broderick from uh, Broderick Jones. I, I can't remember his last name now. I'm blanking out. You guys know the UGA tackle. Um, I'd rather have him. I'd rather have Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame at edge. Um, you know, Brian Brzee, if he happened to fall, I would jump all over that before I would go after a running back. And now the Falcons are picking at 10, so it's probably even less of a conversation if they're ending up picking there because it's just the list of sort of blue chip players at positions of more premium need are going to be a lot bigger than they are at 15. Um but, like, I don't hate Bijan. I like Bijan. I think he actually fits this offense really well, and I really like his fit here. I like the player. I just don't like the value in the top 10 um, for this Falcons team that desperately needs talent infusions elsewhere. And it's like, if you have an 8 out of 10 in the running back room, which is sort of how I view this running back group, you like, is it worth spending your most premium draft resource to get to a 10 out of 10? Or do you want to upgrade, you know, your defensive line, which is like a one or two out of 10 to like a five or six out of 10 with like a premium addition? Like that's going to help your team way more than just getting a blue chip running back in a room that's full of good running backs already. Um, and like you said, Dave, with the scheme, like this scheme can maybe the scheme can make any running back carry the ball four and a half, five yards a carry. So then it doesn't even matter what running back you have. Um, but I just... Uh, I just don't uh, like that pick at this point. Um, now, maybe, you know, in several months, we're like, oh, well, they've, they've just made the most beautiful free agent additions that we've ever seen, and now they can just draft anything they want. And in that case, maybe Bijan is the player that they go after because he's just the best player on the board. But uh, 
I have a hard time believing that if they're picking in the top 10, that they're going to take a running back. Um, they might take another receiver, but <laughs> just, I would never rule that you out. You can never you know? rule that out. No. Yeah. Uh, we can't rule that out, but um, yeah, that, that's a uh, good question. though. I know we had a lot of people asking about that. Um, Nico asks, is there a center that you would trade for, uh, like a veteran center from another team? Uh, that you that uh, you value high enough to trade for in free agency because the free agent class sucks. I don't know. I mean, I I do wonder if they go after Ben Jones, right? Um, the uh, the Titans center, and the Titans just cleaned out their general manager, so who knows what the hell's going on with that team? Like maybe they're trying to do a fire sale or something. I mean, I don't know. Um, but we know he would be a good fit. Um. I also think they could consider drafting a center high, which is what I did in my mock. But um, yeah, unfortunately, Alex Mack, I, I believe, will probably be retired, you know, fully, fully retired, you know, not considering coming out. So don't think we can uh, pull pull Mack out of retirement. Um, yeah, any centers, uh, Dave, that you would would like well enough to trade, or do you think this is probably going to have to be a uh, good old fashioned coach him up and draft him uh, approach? I think it's to coach him up and draft him. I think if you're not thrilled with Dolman and Hennessy as your options, maybe Newzel, um, because he's hanging around at center as well, then you're going to have to draft somebody. Um, I just uh, I don't see any inspiring choices out there, and, and I don't think they're going to trade for a center. That's just not something I can see them doing. And I think, if anything, with Mike Vrabel maybe taking personnel power, you'd have to fight harder to get Ben Jones. Maybe they can trade Tyler Vrabel. I don't know, but, uh, you know, <laughs> they have, the, they, um, that's what this, that's what that signing was for. We have, we hold yeah. all the power now. So uh, it's, it's an amazing, uh, stroke of genius there by Terry, but, um, I, I don't think you're going to do anything but draft a center. And I, I still think ultimately they're probably going to go with Dalman next year again. I think they've, seen enough out of him to do that but it's obviously i don't blame anybody for asking about or thinking about upgrades because center play has been a little shaky the last couple of years yeah and to me it's like we've had some pleasant surprises at left guard i feel like you know you take like like colby gusset had one bad game but now i think he's had two pretty good ones uh maybe even three pretty good ones and then elijah wilkinson was looking very good and it seemed like he was sort of really hitting his stride. He was improving in PFF grade like every week um, before his injury. So it's like, maybe you've got left guard figured out enough because one of your positions you're going to have to go cheap at, like you're, you're going to have to find a way to not, you can't just sign a premium guy at every offensive line position. You can't do that. So you either have to have a rookie or you have to have affordable veterans manning it. And I think at left guard between Gossett and Wilkinson, um, and maybe Chuma Adoga, who came in and was decent. Like, you have, I think, a couple of guys there that you can just re-sign for cheap and, and let them duke it out, and, and, and it's fine. At center, and you still have Mayfield yeah. and Schaefer, too. Yeah, exactly. So I think they've invested enough at guard. Uh, and then yeah. you have Chris Lindstrom, who's probably going to get the biggest guard contract in the NFL this offseason, so that one's locked down. Now, obviously, we could talk about right tackle. I'm sure we've had some questions about um, Caleb McGarry and his looming extension decision. But center, to me, is like the clear weak point now. So when you have premium draft capital and there's not a lot of centers in free agency, it's a logical thing to me where it's like 
you maybe you do draft a center high. You have like that's a luxury pick I can get on board with. And you know, I'm not gonna okay, I'm gonna harp it a little bit. You know, we could have just taken Creed Humphrey, uh, but it, <laughs> and then have the best, you know, young center in the league. But you know, I digress on that. Um there's there's a few good centers that are all potential second round guys. Cedric Van Van Pram from Georgia, I know somebody mentioned in the chat. John Michael Schmitz, you know, it seems like he's probably going to be more like a late first type of guy when it all is said and done. But, um, you know, I don't think they're going to draft a center if they're picking in the top 10. But could they draft a center at the top of the second round? I think they should strongly consider it, you know, and it depends on who else is there as well, obviously. But um, I would not be upset at all with drafting a premium talent at center because of all the things we just mentioned. Left guard is more or less okay. And right tackle the tackle free agent class is drastically better so you feel like you can probably solidify that spot with some cap space and spend there uh and maybe you do take a young tackle too that's that's another position you could consider taking in the top 10 but um the offensive line is so important for this team we know how important it's going to be it's a foundational piece of this offense they haven't really invested premium assets in it since this staff has been here other than Jalen Mayfield. And that seems like probably that's not going to happen because now we're two years in and we have, you know, worst guard ever as one of those seasons. And then basically a whole year on IR as the second one. So I'm not really putting too much stock in that one. Um, but I think there's a potential scenario where they do spend a premium pick on another center. Um, but like Dave said, if it ends up being dominant again, it's not a disaster, but when that's your clear weak link, I feel like you got to do something. And maybe maybe that something is a premium pick, or maybe it's signing a veteran to compete, and that's sort of all they do. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you said you're, you're, you're sort of thinking that maybe they just stick with Dahlman and, and hope for some improvement, because they have Hennessy, too, for another year. But Yeah, I think, it, I think it's probably going to be Dahlman again. I think, you know, unless the snap issues are a huge thing, he's been a little bit of a liability in pass protection. I think he has been the clear weak link, but, you know, it's his first full season as a starter. He's still been pretty capable, um, all things considered, and he's young. So I, I do think he'll probably end up being the guy again. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Um, now at right tackle, considering Caleb McGarry's season, that's another one that I know people have asked about. Um, do you think that this is a situation where they do give McGarry that extension or that do they dip into the free agent class, which features guys, you know, like another former Titan and Jack Conklin, um, Jawan Taylor from the Jaguars, another, you know, natural right tackle. Um, they, they have a lot of, you know, Mike McGlinchey from the 49ers is going to be available. Uh, there's a ton of guys out there at right tackle, you know, Elkton Jenkins is probably going to be the most highly sought after of all the offensive linemen. Uh, so I'm not really entertaining that one realistically, but yeah, what do you think there to, you know, do they just make the re-signing or do they go after somebody else? Yeah, I think unless you can get somebody like Jenkins, um, I would probably, and I've, I've been going back and forth on this, but I think if you don't think that McGarry just, happen to have a career season because you know he's looking for a payday which i guess is a concern you know you you look at the strides he's made in pass protection this year which i think have been real enough and the fact that he was has been a key key piece of this uh line 
in terms of the ground game, which is such a huge deal to Arthur Smith and this team, like I, I think they'll be tempted to re-sign him. And I think they'll hope that because this market is flooded with quality options that maybe it brings his price down a little bit. So that's 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 where I'm at today. If he has a bad game next week, I'll, I'll probably change my mind. But yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's definitely having a really good year. His pass protection has improved over the course of the season. Early on, it was still a problem, but it's much better. And then as a run blocker, he's been elite. Um, I think he has like an over 90 run block grade according to PFF. And we know how important that part of the game is to the Falcons. So like if they want to, they, they, this may be a team that does prioritize the run blocking over the pass blocking. Um, and that's okay. And I honestly, I think it's easier to find those premier run blockers than it is to find the elite pass protectors and not forcing all of your tackles to always have to be on an Island and all that your offensive lineman. I think that's honestly a good thing. That's one of the nice things we've seen from this offense, taking the pressure off um, those guys up front and not making them just pass block 55 times a game or whatever. Um, so, yeah, at this point, like, I, I think McGarry has continued to have good games after good games, and, like, he just had a really good game against TJ Watt. He's gone up against some premier pass rushers and hasn't really faltered. The thing with, with McGarry is that he is a bit of an older free agent for, like, this to be his first cycle. But he's only going to be 28 um, next year. So it's not like this is like a 31-year-old guy you're giving a big extension to. You could give him a three- or four-year extension. He'll still be in his early 30s. That's absolutely fine. Um, I do wonder if they still consider drafting a tackle relatively early in this class, not necessarily playing them at tackle initially. Like, uh, you know, you've heard me talk about Peter Skaronsky. I know you guys have asked about him in the chat too. Skaronsky was a center in high school, recruited as a center, ended up playing guard and switching to left tackle. And now he's like a, a tackle prospect, but that's a guy that could potentially come in and play any spot on the offensive line you need. And then eventually could be, you know, an heir apparent to Jake Matthews in a few years um, because we know he's getting up there in age as well. So it's, it'll be really interesting to see like where they spend money versus where they leave spots open for the draft, because they do have a number of assets in both areas this year for the first time. And God knows how long. So, uh, that's the nice thing about this offseason, Dave. We don't just have to be like, well, they'll have to draft it uh, or it's not going to get fixed because we have no money. So that's a pleasant, you know, development. Uh, I think this will make for a pretty fun offseason. It will. And and I can't wait to see. I, I feel it in my bones that there's going to be a big name free agent from the Saints that's poached by Terry uh, over to the Falcons. I don't know if it's going to be Davenport or, or um, you know, somebody else, but I, I have a feeling that because they are in cap hell, they're going to lose a potentially valuable player to Atlanta, which is going to be sweet. Sweet. Oh, I'm just, I'm so excited about that. Yeah. I wonder if it would be like on Yamada. Uh, that's someone who I have circled. Um, yeah. I was thinking on Yamada or, or Davenport would be yeah. possibilities. I know Davenport's not that exciting, but maybe, maybe <laughs> if he leaves new Orleans, he'll be something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, He's had a couple of interesting years. It just hasn't necessarily yeah. been consistent. But Anyamada, they I feel like they need like honestly like more than anything they need the interior guys. So yeah, I, I do wonder if they poach you know Shy Tuttle too. Like he hasn't played like a ton of snaps, but he's actually been pretty decent for them as well. So um yeah. they're not going to have they're not going to have a lot of flexibility to re-sign guys next year. So we could see the Falcons poaching a number of players off of that team and uh I'm I'm excited to see uh, who they come away with there because uh, that Saints roster, it's still got some guys, you know, that are, that are worth 
you know, worth keeping around, just not in New Orleans anymore. So exactly. Uh, Beautiful. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Let's see. Um, all right. Let's get to Solaire's question now about the nightmare coaching staff. Uh, I know Dave has some deep cuts potentially for this nightmare coaching staff. We have been told by Solaire that we cannot assemble this disgusting abomination Falcons coach, coaching staff with Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino has been declared out. He is ineligible because he's too bad. He would take this thing, you know, he would take this into truly dark depths territory. Um, so, Dave, who who are some of the names that would be on your nightmare coaching staff? Yep. So I think that your nightmare head coach, if it can't be Petrino, is probably Marion Campbell. Um, I, I think if you go back, you know, he had two separate stints as the team's head coach, and neither of them went well, which is sort of remarkable, right? You you don't do well um, in any capacity for three years. I think Campbell was won six games over parts of three seasons. He took over for Van Brocklin um, and then was fired, you know, two years later. But over the course of, of 25 games, he won six. And then he got hired again. Um, and he won a combined, um, let's see here, 11 games over three years. So huge improvement there. But you're talking about somebody who, you know, in the spirit of, you know, Dirk Cutter getting second chances, right? Like this, this happened with a head coach and it worked out really poorly and it's not clear why that would happen. So he'd be sort of my nightmare head coach. And then I'd take a pair of rods. Um, please don't take that out of context. I'd take a <laughs> pair of rods from the team's past. Uh, Rod Rust for defensive coordinator because A, the one year he was here, the Falcons had a terrible defense, which is not unusual. But when I was a kid growing up in New England, um, when I first started watching football, Rod Rust was the head coach of the Patriots for a year, and they went 1-15. And he was maybe the most over-his-head head coach that I've ever seen in my life. So I would, I would take him on the defensive side because you're building a terrible staff. And then I would take Rod Dauhauser as the uh, Falcons offensive coordinator. He was the uh, OC for three years for the Falcons in the late 80s. And despite having some actual talent there, um, they finished never better than like 25th in total offense. They were just <laughs> incredibly inept. Um, and then, of course, right after that, what happens the early 90s, they get good. Yep. Um, so you would uh, a coaching staff with Marion Campbell at head coach, Rod Ross at defensive coordinator, Rod Dauhauser at offensive coordinator. That's that's pretty bad. That's I, I, especially pretty teams bad. coordinator. I might round it out with Keith Armstrong, not because he's not a great coordinator, because he is, and he was, but because he would get so mad at how everybody else was <laughs> not good enough to be an asshole that it would drag the operation down. That's so true. There you go. Yeah, that's a good point, um, because I, I definitely feel like it's not just about getting the worst coaches. It's about getting the worst amalgam of personalities together um, to make them all work, to, get, to make them all work together in a terrible fashion. That's part of it as well. Um, you just get some grade A incompetence all the way around. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we'd have to get Hugh Jackson in there somewhere. I don't know what. I thought about gone. him. Yeah. yeah. You know, probably an assistant offensive coach somewhere just to get that in there. Um, uh, Actually, and then... it might be worse if he was like, you could install him as your head coach instead of Campbell, because I think <laughs> oh. as an offensive coordinator, Hugh Jackson was pretty good as a yeah. head coach. He's one of the worst I've ever seen. So he's a good candidate too. That's true. That's true. We could do some shuffling around. Um, 
Let's see. And then the the offensive line coach from the Dan Quinn era, the late Dan Quinn era. I can't remember his name now, but you know the one I mean. Uh, uh, Chris. Chris. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So he's going to be our offensive line coach. Uh, <laughs> I've never I've never seen an offensive line that just never got better ever. Uh, That's fair. like when they, like when they had over those last few years. Um, and then I feel like we have to get Dirk Cutter in there somewhere just because the fan hatred, um, you know, because he needs to be the punching bag for somebody. Uh, or at least maybe it's just for me. I don't know. Maybe that one's just personal for me. But, um, and then I was going to say, you know, I was going to bring up the, you know, the bad draft interviews. We could get Mark Juan Manuel in the scouting department um, for asking bad questions to all of the uh, draft draft prospects. So. <laughs> that's a deep yeah, cut there's, but yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a lot of interesting choices there though because I, I think back to who was it Jim Hannafin I think who who took over for Campbell actually he was the guy who once threatened to like he brought like an unlit stick of dynamite into the locker room so that's mm-hmm. pretty bad you should probably get him somewhere um Heck, you could put Jerry Glanville there just because he was so weird. Um, <laughs> just to get the weirdest personalities together. Yeah. Well, yeah, and like Norm Van Brocklin was a weirdo too. That's one of my favorite stories back when Jason Kirk um, from Shutdown Fullcast used to write for us. He wrote about like the scale of falconliness, and he did one yep. on Van Brocklin. And it stuck in my head all these years that he got mad at reporters. He'd call them communists, and he threatened to fight him he's like you guys want to stack furniture which is the best euphemism i've ever heard so you could put together a really combustible staff out of these yeah. guys yeah that's that's going to be like our initial attempt we may we may come back to this and do like a full maybe this would be a good off-season actual I think content it is. Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. so good good question so we definitely wanted to at least get the the framework put up for this um so you, you guys can all weigh in with with your uh choices as well um and we, we will continue to, uh, to to workshop that over the course of the offseason. But, yeah, that I'm already getting, you know, chills from just thinking about that coaching staff. Not in a good way. Uh, so, <laughs> um, all right, let me go through. Um, no, I assume you're asking favorite player from the 2022 draft to watch this season. Um like in terms of, I don't know if you mean like the Falcons or in general. Um, I mean, honestly, a lot of the Falcons rookies this year are playing well. Like we talked about Tyler Algiers, probably our rookie of the year. Um, but I think Drake London has been excellent. I think we really like Arnold Abagidi. Um Yeah, I mean, honestly, they're all they're all pretty fun. But he's he's saying in general in the NFL as a whole, that one's tougher. Um, there's a lot of good rookies this year. Um, a lot of really good players. Um, I will never say Chris Olave, even though I was, you know, Chris Olave wide receiver two hive, but, um, he's been very good. Uh, Garrett Wilson has really started to come on now that the Jets finally realized Zach Wilson's terrible. Um, man, there's, there's a lot of good players. Uh, I was really enjoying watching Jordan Davis. He didn't play, he hasn't played a lot yet, but there was just that one picture uh of like jordan davis towering over carson wentz and it just looks like carson wentz is like a little child next to jordan davis like standing up at full height and that to me has always stuck um in there but yeah any any young guys in the nfl that you've really been enjoying uh dave 
Yeah. Um, well, a couple, uh, Brian Robinson, as much as yeah. I hated seeing him do it against us, um, like just knowing what he's been through and the fact that he's out there and doing well and kicking off a mini giant hat craze is pretty awesome. So big fan of his. And then I, I did draft Kenneth Walker in multiple fantasy leagues. So I've, I've been watching him a little more closely than I otherwise might. And he's, he's a terrific back too. I think this has been a really stellar class for running backs actually. Um, and it's been kind of fun to watch those guys. So I, I would say, I would say that. And then of course the Falcons rookies, because I love them all. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's like picking your children, you know, <laughs> Yeah, they're young enough to be my kids, which hurts. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, I'm getting to the point now where like, you know, more than half of the league is like younger than me now. Uh, so for it's, we're slowly progressing down that path. Um, it's, it's coming folks. Um, all right, we got uh, Daniel first. What's up, man? He says, "Who are your top free agent targets this off season?" Um, I've talked about a lot of guys, but I'll so I'll I'll let Dave take the first crack because I could probably go deeper because I've just been thinking about it a lot. But yeah, Dave, who are some of your your top guys that you're hoping the Falcons will? Not necessarily like you're saying these are the guys they're going to sign, but like guys that you hope they will at least pursue. Yeah, I've uh, to the extent that I've thought about it, um, you know, Jesse Bates from the Bengals comes up a lot um, in basically every discussion anybody has. And I I think with good reason, right? Safety play for this team has been a little bit of a liability lately. As much as I like uh, Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins, adding somebody like Bates would be huge for the defense. Um, Darren Payne is, is probably my personal favorite who will be available. I think that you know, some inconsistency aside, he has tremendous talent and he'd be a, a great fit for this defense. Um, so I, I would look hard at him. Beyond that, um, I, I've gotten kind of interested by the idea of adding like a Mike Kosecki to this group. Um, I think he's a talent that, you know, for a couple of years there was not properly used in Miami. It still isn't maybe utilized to the extent that he could be. And, and I've been thinking for a while now how fun it would be to pair pits with somebody who is a real, you know, tremendous athlete. Um, I know that Hayden Hurst was here last year, but the team kind of didn't utilize him much either. So that, that would be, that would be my three. Let's, let's bolster the defense and do something fun on offense. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are, those are good ones for sure. Um, we've talked about some of the guys that I like already. Like uh, if they were not to re-sign Caleb McGarry, you know, Jack Conklin is somebody I like. Um, Yannick Ngakwe from the Colts hasn't had a tremendous year in terms, you know, uh, so he might be a little bit cheaper than you would think, but he's still a really good pass rusher. He's also only 28. So I, I, they, they need impact edge rushers. I don't know that you could depend on getting one in the draft at 10, you know, maybe one will be there, but I would feel better if they added an impact free agent to, um, either that or going, you know, and getting interior guys in the draft, like Javon Hargrave from the Eagles is somebody I really like. Uh, Larry, uh, Ogunjobi, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Davin Tomlinson. There's a bunch of guys, you know, Dave mentioned Deron Payne, who's probably going to be the highest paid one out of all these guys. But there's, there are so many good interior guys, you know, David on is another guy we mentioned, right? Like he's getting older, but <clears throat> you just, the Falcons need guys there. Um, I think you have like three basically uh, that you can sort of, you know, think that these guys are coming back in Grady Jarrett, 
Taquan Graham. And I think Abdullah Anderson is, has earned, you know, a, a return journey. Um, but in terms of the rest of the guys, it's sort of a free-for-all. And I would love to see them add a big nose tackle like a Dalvin Tomlinson or draft someone there because that there's several really good nose tackles in this draft. So that could be the way to do it is to go out and draft your nose and then sign a premium sort of pass rushing guy like a Payne or a, you know, Hargrave or uh, Ogunjobi even. Um, you know, there's a lot of good guys there. And I think a, a sleeper sort of place could be corner again where like Casey Hayward is still good, but this group is clearly not set. Um, and, it, and you could see them potentially go out and, and make a premium addition there to give Terrell a real, you know, top guy across from him because one thing about Hayward is that he has played the slot extensively as well so if they're not sold on Oliver being the guy there they could move Hayward into the slot they already have a good backup in D. Alford behind him maybe they go sign someone like a James Bradbury to a big deal um and you get that sort of elite you know one because Bradbury's had an awesome season this year for the Eagles uh he's he's been totally legit so um that could be sort of a sleeper thing you know it's not necessarily high up my list of, of expected signings, but I like that. Um, so that those are the guys that I'm sort of eyeing, mostly defense, as you guys can tell. But Because uh, I think, honestly, the receivers, I like honestly don't think they, like, unless they're going to add, like, a premium guy there, I feel like the depth is absolutely fine. Like, we like we should re-sign Zacchaeus. I think he's shown that he deserves to be here. He's worked his ass off. Um, he, he's earned a contract. Um, we have Drake London. But, like, Daryl Hodge, Demir Bird, like, both those guys, I think, are quality guys in your in your top five receivers. So, really, you're talking about maybe we add one more guy to the mix. But I think that could be a day three pick or, like, a, you know, somebody like that. Or, you know, in, unless you're going to go really premium add someone in the draft, I think you just draft someone on day three and, and roll with those guys. And I think that group is better than expected <laughs> considering the level of investment. Um, you know, Brian Edwards got cut because of how well these other guys have played. Uh, so, you know, not expecting them to invest a lot there, but something to maybe keep an eye on for like a, a low level addition. But um, yeah, I think we covered a lot of ground. Um, let's see if I can find one more. We got a few more minutes <laughs> stacking furniture. Yeah. Oh God. That's just cracking me up. That is amazing. Um it's an it's it's in my head at all times it's like one word away from my head at all times yeah yeah all right let's see yeah if you guys had one more question i'll scroll up because i know we, we missed probably some um but yeah i think uh we've done done pretty well covered a lot of ground uh we will have another one of these probably later in the month guys because this is technically like i said november's uh so we appreciate everyone's patience on these it's uh i want to get you know dave the boss man he's he's very you know doing a great job of coming on these i know you guys need your your monthly serving of dave meat in here so uh you know i know i know you'd rather wait wait for the the great quality dave meat than to to you know have it rushed out and you know be half cooked you, you or whatever can't, you can't get the low grade stuff no 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 yeah. usda prime uh that's yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah i think i think we've we've pretty much covered it um i think it's really just for us um we're, we're moving into the evaluation part of the calendar for the falcons um 
Yeah, and Brandon, I know you mentioned it, wanting to do a live mock draft and, and where the, the patrons can be more involved. I would like to do that too. I think we will definitely incorporate that. Um, so we, I, I think that's definitely something we can do as an off-season thing um, to, to get some, some more input from the patrons, especially uh, in crafting the mock draft. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, but yeah, where do you, my, I have, I have a question for Dave and that's, uh, where do you think they end up in the draft when it, when the dust clears, you think it's top 10 top, you know, fringe of the top five, or do they actually end up winning some games and, and falling, you know, down, I guess, or up, whatever, however you say, but I think 12 to 15, I, I think is where I see them ending up. I do think, I think they'll win a couple of these games. Um, I'm still, I'm sticking with my season prediction record of seven and 10. I think, you know, maybe a couple lineup changes and some time with the bye gives them a little bit better performance. So I, I think when the dust settles, they'll be in that, you know, 10 at the, the very bottom to 15. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that anywhere like eight to 15 is, is possible. And because their strength of schedule is so weak, um, that yeah. will help break ties and they'll be a little bit earlier in the order than they would normally be otherwise because of that. So that that's going to help them. But yeah, I have a hard time seeing them losing out. I do think that there's a chance, um, that they do win some games with Ritter, uh, especially the saints game. Cause I feel like that, I feel like we, that's how the legend of Desmond Ritter begins. Like he comes in for his first start on the road in new Orleans and like pulls that game off. And then it's like, okay, well, now he's just, he's our starter forever. Like, that that's all I needed to see. Like, he beat the Saints in New Orleans. Okay, we're good. Um, that's all we need. So, th- yeah. there's a, there's an opportunity there, even though that's a really difficult place to make your first start for a legendary beginning. Uh, so, I, I'm in favor of that. And hopefully, they pull out some wins. And, you know, if that costs them a few picks, it's no big deal. But uh, it doesn't seem like the playoffs are, are a real possibility, guys. Uh, <laughs> the Bucks are, like what one and a half two and a half games ahead uh the bucks are probably yeah. gonna lose a few games though uh like the Bengals and the 49 you know 49ers i guess we'll see but um yeah i i have a hard time seeing the falcons catching them but maybe ritter comes in and, and pulls off a miracle finish uh so we'll see but yeah mad mad tom case says the movie script is writing itself so yeah that i'm open to it you know if we get that 30 for 30 on ritter's beginning to his career you know wins four straight and wins the nfc south at nine and eight so hey i i'm i'm willing it into existence let's go let's go ritter show us what you got so he's just a gamer dave okay he just wins he just wins he just yep. uh he wins three out of his next four games crossing my fingers Maybe. Yep. I don't. Hey, I'll I'll think. take it. I'll take two. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I'll I'll so. take uh, competent performances. I will. Yep. That's that's the best thing to just hope for competence, and, and you you hopefully won't be disappointed. Um, hopefully. All right, guys. Well, again, thanks to Dave Choate at the Falcoholic for coming on to this Q and A session bi week edition. Dave, anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here? No, just uh, stay tuned for the buy. We got some some interesting lookbacks and look forwards coming. Um, obviously, if there's any big lineup changes, we'll we'll discuss those. We'll have the news and and our analysis of it. And you know, tomorrow I'm looking at potential lineup changes, but there's only one that's very exciting, so I won't oversell it. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, you know. Big suspense, I think, about which one you're talking about. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see if you can predict it, guys. <laughs> but yes, thanks again to Dave. And I'm Kevin Knight F. Alcoholic Kevin. Again, guys, thank you so much, patrons, for your support. We really appreciate that. Thanks to everyone donating to the Senior Bowl Fund as well, which kicked off on Wednesday. Uh, got that off to a great start. Um, we really appreciate all, all that you guys do uh, supporting us and, 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 you know, taking care of us and, and hanging out, uh, each and every week. We appreciate that. Um, if you're interested in getting in on this action, folks, uh, you can join the Patreon on patreon.com slash Falcoholic live. Uh, otherwise guys, please like subscribe, leave us a five-star review on those podcast platforms and enjoy the content. We will be back Wednesday night at 8 PM Eastern for the next episode of Falcoholic live. Uh, no game this week, so no post game show, but we will, I'll probably have some sort of late week content uh maybe free agency or draft related to to just tide you over uh in the meantime but uh, until then guys thanks again for hanging out we will see you guys next time on the falcoholic live have a great night folks